Thank you. I'm going to get your pulpit. Thank you. I absolutely love Fridays. It's like a family reunion, and I genuinely mean that. I don't get up here and say that because that's what you say. I love seeing my mountains peeps. I love seeing my Penrith peeps. Um, and what a blessing it is to be able to, thanks, Jess, to be able to come together in a time like this to still be able to gather. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So let's open with prayer. Lord, again, I thank you that we can come together. I pray, Lord, that what I have to say will be your words and not mine. We pray this in your marvelous and your mighty name. Amen. All righty. So I'd like to pick up where Kelsey left off last week. Now, Kelsey brought a great word on, am I saved or... And after hearing that sermon and hopefully having accepted the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Savior, it's safe to say that now you can just kick back and bask in God's everlasting abundance of grace, right? Your eyes have been opened. You have received the good news as the way, the truth, and the life. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and he rose again. You have been redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Can I get an amen? Life is good. Hallelujah. Right? Well, the truth is, if this is where you have chosen to finish up, then yes, absolutely, you can park up right here. And don't get me wrong, praise God, you found salvation and I will rejoice with you. You can carry on with your life with the reassurance that you have received the truth and the free gift of grace. You can worship God, read the word, you can pray when you get a bit of free time. You can have a coffee with a fellow Christian friend. And you can live your life with the full confidence of knowing where you're heading when your earthly clock stops ticking. But fam, what if I told you that there is more? That this is not the end goal, but just the very beginning of your story. That salvation doesn't stop with you, but it actually starts with you. That salvation is about the restoration of all people and of all the nations, and you play a vital key role in the greater scheme of things. Let me break it down. It all starts when you, we accept Jesus into our lives to be our Lord and Saviour. We are acknowledging that A, we cannot earn God's approval with works. B, that we need a saviour, and see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Waymaker, the Redeemer, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Now, you, have may, you may have heard that phrase, King of Kings, when someone's referencing Jesus. King of Kings. Now, kings have kingdoms, right? So it makes sense to say that as a king, Jesus reigns over a kingdom. Now, some might assume, like I did, that this kingdom is a heavenly kingdom where the angels sing songs of praise and life is good. But church, I have come to discover that that kingdom is actually here, that that kingdom is not only something that awaits us in our eternal life, but that kingdom 
God's earthly family representing the kingdom of God here on earth. That's us. It's right here. In Luke 17, 20 to 21, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Oh, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. In the Gospel of John, Pilate questions Jesus about being a king. John 18, 37 says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to be a witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Church, as children of the Almighty God, as earthly representatives of Jesus' kingdom, are you listening to the King's voice? What is it that our King Jesus would say? What would he have us do? What's the plan moving forward? This leads me to the title of tonight's message. Where do I fit in the kingdom? Now, firstly, know that you were created with purpose. In Psalm 139, 13 to 16, it says, and this is David talking to God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created with purpose for the kingdom. The world needed a you. God created a you because that's exactly what the world needed. Now, a quick side story. Um, Being a Kiwi, um, a representative of Pavlova, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, when I first moved to Australia, I was deeply disturbed by the amount of flies that were around. Uh, we don't get that in New Zealand. And, you know, they're so brave. You, they land on your face and you shoo them away and they could just come straight on back. And uh, I'll never forget walking down Clarendon and as people walked past, they, their backs were just covered in flies. So while teaching uh, scripture on creation, I began to wonder, Lord, what were you thinking when you created flies? why. Um, So I actually looked into this and it just so happens that flies help to decompose organic matter. They're Earth's cleanup crew. Um, So they have purpose. These flies have purpose. Now were flies made in God's image? No. Were you? Absolutely. So if flies have purpose, how much more purpose do you have? Anyway, there are multiple different people within a church or within the kingdom of God, and each are uniquely and wonderfully made. 
Together, you are the body of Christ, representing the kingdom of God here on earth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, There is one body, but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Once you accept Jesus into your life, you become part of the body of Christ. You become part of his kingdom, which is the first and most fundamental part of understanding your purpose. You were created to be in relationship with him. In 1 Peter 2.9 it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, maybe you have a fantastic relationship with God, but you find yourself wondering how to effectively represent the kingdom of God here on earth. What does that even look like? Well, it's pretty straightforward. In order to represent the kingdom of God, we need to be living God's way. To allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in your life. To treat the cleaner with the same respect that you would treat your boss. To love people and to love God in our everyday lives. Another facet of that is to take the little bit that God has uniquely put in your hand and through obedience, humbly offer that back to God for kingdom purposes. I always think about the greats of the Bible and their faithful obedience. I often wonder what life would have looked like if they had have made different choices. What if Noah had have said, nah, I'm not going to build that boat. I'm gonna look stupid. What if Abraham had have said, nah, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm staying where I'm comfortable. And P.S., you're not getting my son. What if Joseph? hadn't have forgiven his brothers. Moses, who I love because I relate to Moses, Moses tried to say no and was reprimanded. But what if he had have continued to make excuses? Forget it, I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm happy with my new life here in Midian. What if Joshua decided that marching around Jericho was stupid and that settling on the other side of Jordan of the Jordan was the easier option? What if Gideon had a stayed in the hole? What if Ruth had have left Naomi and returned home? Now, little side note. Ruth was King David's great-grandmother. So if Ruth had decided, later's Naomi, I'm out. Thanks for letting me go. No King David. No King Solomon. No temple. What if Esther had allowed fear to stop her from approaching the king? What if David had have run away from Goliath? What if Solomon decided that he couldn't be bothered building the temple? What if the disciples decided that it was too hard to follow Jesus and they just wanted to go back to being fishermen? What if Paul kept what he had learnt and what he had experienced to himself? Now, we could sit here all night going over the what-ifs, and I just want to be clear, God is sovereign, and I am confident that he will always make a way. The point I'm trying to make here is that these Bible greats had a choice. 
They were purposed for great things. They were asked to obediently and humbly give to God what was in their hand. They could have made excuses or stayed where it was comfortable or allowed fear to cripple them, but they knew that the God they served was far greater than anything that stood in the way of them and their calling. There was a dedication. There was an urgency that drove them to fight for the kingdom of God. And effectively, their descendants had a ripple effect throughout many generations. Sorry, their decisions had a ripple effect throughout many generations right up until this present day. You too have a choice to make. You are called for great things. God is asking you to offer yourself to him for kingdom purposes. The decisions you make today will affect the generations that come after you. You have a choice to sow into the future right now, into the generations to come. In Romans 12:1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, God did not promise us that this was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, when you read the stories in the Bible, you begin to understand that this journey will take a little bit of sacrifice. It will require some of your time, some spiritual discipline, some accountability. But when you have your eyes set on kingdom purpose, you start to understand that your hard work has an eternal payoff. In Romans 10, 14 to 15, it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, Jesus knew that we were going to need some help, someone to advocate on our behalf and to empower us to do the work of God as his kingdom ambassadors here on earth. So God sent the Holy Spirit to do just that. You see, God not only loved us so much that he gave us his son, he then goes above and beyond and he gives us his spirit. And that spirit, that spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us. He reminds us. He convicts us. He brings us revelation, wisdom, and power. We are not doing this alone. In Matthew 7, 7 to 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Have you asked God what he wants from you? If you begin to seek out need, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. We are surrounded by brokenness. There are many dark places, places that need God's light to shine. These places are called frontiers. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and empowers you to advance God's kingdom by equipping you to reclaim those frontiers to shine God's light into dark places. So quick recap. I'm saved, but that's just the beginning. Jesus is king, 
and I am a part of his kingdom here on earth. The Holy Spirit lives within me and empowers me to reclaim frontiers and advance his kingdom. So individually, where do I start? So I'd like to share my own personal story with you about when I started to question my purpose. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you. So it was many years ago I actually went to God um, and I asked God, why did you create me? What were you thinking when you knitted me in my mother's womb? Um, At the time, I was backslidden and my self-esteem was at an all-time low and I really questioned purpose. So I felt like I had really screwed up, to be honest. I was like, you know, why did you pick me, Lord? Um, So over the next two years, so back to that verse, knock, seek. This is what I was in the process of doing, knocking and seeking. So over the next two years, God started to speak to me through scripture and tune my heart to his quiet voice. He showed me times in my life that people had been hurtful towards me or that I had been hurt by people and you know I always had this idea which was incorrect that as a Christian God wants you to almost tolerate being mistreated I'm not sure whether you guys have ever felt that way but oh, I'm a Christian so that person has done that to me and I just need to suck it up but God didn't call you to be a doormat God's calling you to have a bit of wisdom that's why we need the Holy Spirit anyway um but I was a bit of a doormat and, um, but, you know, so God was showing me all these times in my life where um, I would allow these things to happen and as much as I wanted to be angry and I wanted to get them back and, or I wanted to cut them out of my life, I used to always empathise and make up excuses for why they did it. I just, I saw something in these people and I couldn't help but love them. And it frustrated me. I didn't want to love them. I wanted to hate them. (laughs) But I just loved them. Um, So, you know, God showed me that I had a heart that just loved people. So I was like, okay, God, so I'm a lover. Or, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed. I wanted something like strength or courage or I got lover. Um, so I was like, you know, Lord, what exactly am I supposed to do with that? And again, this wasn't something that just happened overnight. This, this happened sporadically over maybe a year of really seeking God out. Um, he really started to break my heart and show me things that had happened in my, in my life that it made me weep. Um, and it was... It was children, so growing up, I spent a lot of time around brokenness and broken kids, and I was very fortunate to have a Christian father who, he tells me now as an adult, prayed for me daily, Um, and, you know, I always had an out, so I would be in a predicament that wasn't great, and I always had an out, but I would have to leave behind people I loved, children I loved, and it ripped me. Um, get to leave and I've got to leave them here in this and funny enough this isn't just you know a couple of kids this happened to me 
a lot. I would um, build relationship with families. There would be brokenness. There'd be children um, who were living in amongst us. And um, at the end of the day, I had to walk away, and it was hard. Uh, I have this whole thing that kids don't pick who they're born to. You know, they're just born and they deal with whatever hand they're given. How much more do they need to know Jesus and how loved they are? So this, you know, this made my heart thump. Um, So God revealed this to me. I'm like, okay, Lord, so I'm a lover and you want to break my heart by showing me these kids. What What do I do with all of this? And then God said to me very clearly, I want you to love children living in brokenness. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Church, I don't tell you this because, you know, it's a sad story. I tell you this because this has an incredible ending. So within two years, I was offered a job at Peppercorn Family Services with no qualifications and no work history. So I was a mum... And I went straight from being a stay-at-home mum into full-time employment um, with, you know, in an industry that works with children. And then a couple of months into working for them, I was offered a job at a primary school as a teacher aide to work with children on the spectrum, children with trauma. Again, no qualifications, no work history. And I've been there for six years doing exactly what God called me to do. And why? Because I knocked on that door, because I asked God, because I seeked him out on what it was that he saw in me when he knitted me in the womb. So my question for you is this. What characteristics and qualities has God given you? What positive parts of your character come naturally to you? Secondly, what puts a fire in your belly? What makes your heart thump when you look at humanity? What do you have a zeal and a passion for? Put those two things together with Jesus at the forefront and you have a mission. If I could get the band up, that would be great. You carry the truth. Why would you store that up? Jesus is coming back and there is a world dying from starvation of the truth. And you have the remedy. What are you going to do about it? Did you know that every single one of you are called? God has purposed all of you for such a time as this, the right now. Just as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you've got this, he's got this, fuel up on faith, wisdom and obedience, and away you go. You, with your unique gifts and a zeal for the kingdom, you are going to reach a people group that I may never reach, that your neighbour may never reach, and vice versa. That's why it's so important that you respond to the call. So what does that look like collectively? As the church, we gather to praise, honour and worship God. We worship God by serving the house, whether that be through the creative team, the host team, the kids team, whatever it is that God has placed in your hand, 
there are multiple different platforms that you can offer service to. As the body of Christ, this offering of service brings worship to our Father in heaven. Serving the church is separate from your ministry. When it comes to ministry, it will always involve people. It involves building relationships, discipleship, taking on frontiers and reaching the lost. This happens inside and outside of the building with both Christians and non-Christians. In Matthew 9:37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God wants to use you in both worshipping as the body of Christ and in ministry as kingdom ambassadors who reclaim the nations. So church, the biggest question is, are you ready? I hope that tonight's message has stirred in you a passion to join the Great Commission, to seek out God's purpose for your life, to go out and make disciples, to reclaim the nations, to live out your kingdom purpose, to offer God your gifts and talents, to fight the good fight, to be kingdom ambassadors. Now, just as I finish up, I have a scripture I'd like to read over you. So if you could please stand with me, that would be great. So Paul who gave up his whole life for the kingdom, was imprisoned at the time, and he writes to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 4, 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So as the band play, I'd just like to take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you.